Good morning, it's good to see you all and I trust the Lord will bless us as we worship him together. We begin by singing to God's praise in Psalm 96 from the Psalter. We sing verses 1 to 7. We'll sing a new song to the Lord, sing all the earth to God. To God sing, bless his name, show still his saving health abroad. Among the heathen nations his glory do declare, and unto all the people show his works at wondrous are. For great's the Lord, and greatly he is to be magnified. Yea, worthy to be feared is he above all gods beside. For all the gods are idols dumb which blinded nations fear. But our God is the Lord by whom the heavens created were. Great honour is before his face, and majesty divine. Strength is within his holy place, and there doth beauty shine. Do ye ascribe unto the Lord of people every tribe. Glory do ye unto the Lord, and mighty power ascribe. These verses from Psalm 96 to God's praise.
So we come before the Lord in prayer. Our blessed and eternal Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity, for the joy, for the privilege of being able to gather to worship you, the one true and living God. And as we've been singing there, all the gods and the idols of the nations are dumb. They have mouths, as we read in Scripture, that cannot speak. They have eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear. But the God whom we worship, invisible, the God who has revealed himself to us as Father, Son and Holy Spirit and we just find it so difficult to grapple with the concept that there are three persons and yet there is but one God. And we thank you, O Lord, that you are the God who delights in the worship of your people, that you are the God who has not hidden himself away in some far distant corner of the cosmos, that we have to search you out. But you are the God who, through your Son, the second person of the glorious Trinity, who became incarnate, who came into this world to seek and to save that which is lost and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we are all lost, O Lord, and we are found by you and we thank you that your Holy Spirit is still moving throughout the world seeking men and women and boys and girls from every country uh, of the world to fulfill that promise that you gave to your servant Abraham so long ago that his descendants, his spiritual descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the night sky and the grains of sand upon the seashore and Lord, we thank you. We cannot grasp, O oh Lord, the sheer magnitude eh, of your love for lost men and women such as we are. But Lord, how thankful we are that you did not leave us to eh, our own devices when our first father and mother turned their backs upon you and rebelled against you. You could have washed your hands of the human race and left us, O oh Lord. But you did not. You have continued with us and you have eh, a plan which you are bringing into fulfillment as you work out your eternal purposes and as you build a church, a church with men and women from every single era, every single age being gathered together from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. We thank you, Lord, that you have revealed to us the way by which we sinners can come into the presence of a God who is holy. And perhaps only on the other side of eternity will we comprehend the, uh, the true meaning of the holiness uh, of the God whom we worship. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for uh, his uh, amazing sacrifice, that he was willing to lay down his life on the altar of the cross, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we, through believing in him, might become the righteousness of God and might have our every sin cleansed and washed away. Bless this congregation of your people here. We thank you for them and we pray that you would bless them and encourage them in these days. And Lord, as we uh, focus upon the uh, Advent season when many people will gather in churches all over the land, perhaps for uh, only one or two times a year. Oh Lord, may they, may they hear the gospel being proclaimed. May their hearts be convicted 
and uh, may their consciences be twinged and may they see O Lord that it is not religion that matters but it is a personal relationship with your son the Lord Jesus Christ and if we do not have that personal relationship uh, then we face a lost eternity we thank you for the encouragement of Jesus who says knock and the door shall be opened unto you seek and you shall find and Lord we pray that throughout the world today as your word is read and preached from one time zone to another that there would be many who would be seeking you and many who would be finding you and hearts would be opened just like the heart of Lydia as her heart was opened under the preaching of the word by your servants at the riverside in Philippi so many centuries ago. We thank you for the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel eh, that is uh, not mere words on paper, but it is accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit to open hearts, and even the hardest of hearts can be broken down by your word. So remember the congregation here, bless them, encourage them, remember any of special needs and we commend them to you and so continue with us now and for this short time together we pray that Christ and Christ alone would fill our horizons to the exclusion of all else and we ask all these things in Jesus name and with the forgiveness of our many many sins Amen Now boys and girls I grew up in a city many, many miles away from here, the city of London. And uh, there was a big house around the corner from where I lived, and there was a tree, a very large tree growing in the front garden. And uh, we went there on one occasion as children. We were only about six or seven, and uh, there was about five or six of us, and we climbed up into the tree. And we must have been making so much noise because all of a sudden the upstairs window opened and a lady threw a bucket of water at us because she didn't want us to be climbing in her tree. But there were lots of other trees, so we went to climb them instead. Now the Bible tells us of a man who climbed a tree. Can anyone here tell me the name of that man? Who was it in the Bible that climbed the tree? Well, his name was Zacchaeus. And the Bible tells us that he was a small man. Uh, we Zacchaeus, if he had grown up in Skye or the Isle of Lewis, they would have called him Zacchae Big. He was a small man. And on one occasion, Jesus was coming to the community, the town where he lived, and he wanted to see Jesus. But he was a very unpopular man. Nobody liked him. He was a cheat. He cheated people of their money. He was a robber. And uh, hundreds and hundreds of people had gathered on the pavement to watch Jesus coming through that particular village. And he tried to get through to the front of the crowd, and he couldn't because being unpopular, nobody would let him come to see Jesus. And so he climbed up a tree. And from that tree, he was able to look down and to see Jesus as he was passing by. And something amazing happened, because when Jesus came to that tree, he stopped, and he looked up, and he called Zacchaeus by name. He didn't say, hey, you who, you're up in the tree, come down. He knew his name. He said, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree, because today I want to have dinner at your house. 
Now many, many years ago when I was a schoolboy, the Queen came to our community and as children we all had the afternoon off school and we all marched up the road and uh, there were thousands of people on the pavement waiting to see the Queen and because we were small they allowed us to come and stand at the front and we were there for ages and ages and eventually this big big black shiny car came along and the Queen was in the car and she was waving at anybody, everybody. Now imagine my surprise Imagine if that car had stopped right in front of where I was standing and the door had opened and the Queen had said, Donald, tell your mother that I'm going to come and have dinner at your house today. Well, if I had rushed home in excitement to say to my mum, the Queen is coming for tea tonight, do you think she would have believed me? No. But Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he stopped under the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree because I'm going to have tea at your house today. And that's what happened. So Jesus went to the house of Zacchaeus. And then several hours later, after they'd had dinner together, Zacchaeus suddenly stood up. He was a changed man. And he said, from now on, he says, I'm not going to rob anybody. And if I've robbed them of one pound, I'm going to pay them back four pounds. If I've robbed them of ten pounds, I'm going to pay them back forty pounds. He was a changed man because he had been with Jesus. Now some people might say he was trying to impress Jesus. He was trying to tell Jesus what a good man he was. But Jesus knows all about us. He can look right into our hearts and minds and he knows exactly what we're thinking. And Jesus recognized that this man had changed, that he was no longer a thief and a robber, but he was a good man. And so Jesus said, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And that's what happens when we spend time with Jesus. We change. People who are unpleasant become nice. People who rob, rob no longer. So I want you to in your prayers, I want you to think of somebody you don't like, somebody who's very unpleasant to you. And I know when I was at school, there were one or two boys who were not nice to me. Uh, and I want you to pray for them and pray that they would come to know Jesus. And that by knowing Jesus, that they would change and that they would no longer be unpleasant, but that they would be kind, just as Zacchaeus changed, because he had spent time with Jesus. So we're going to sing now in Psalm 34, Psalm 34 from the Psalter, and that we sing verses 1 to 10. God will I bless all times, his praise my mouth shall still express. My soul shall boast in God, the meek shall hear with joyfulness. Extol the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, he heard and did me from all fears deliver. Psalm 34 verses 1 to 10.
reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 24 and we begin our reading at verse 34 so he said I am Abraham's servant the Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great he has given him flocks and herds silver and gold male servants and female servants camels and donkeys And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan, and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps a woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife and my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water, Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, Please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water, and I said to her, Please, let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. And I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that, she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away, that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, 
Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer-Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negeb. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah his mother and took Rebekah and she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Amen. And may the Lord add his blessing to that reading of his word. Shall we again come before the Lord in prayer? Ever blessed and eternal God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that your word is the sword of the Spirit. We thank you for the freedom that we enjoy to read your word openly and to meditate upon it and to uh, preach from it, seeking by the, uh, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to bring out all its uh, spiritual truths, truths that apply to each and every one of us in every single age, no matter the fact that we now live thousands of years on from the events recalled for us here in this chapter. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless us today. Bless your word wherever it goes forth. And may your word not return to you void, but may it accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it, whatever that purpose may be. It might be, Lord, that we need encouraging. It might be that we need to be built up in our faith because our faith is weak. It might be that we need to be chastised and rebuked because we have wandered off to the right or to the left and we have ignored the things in Scripture. But your word calls us always to look to the Lord Jesus, to follow in his footsteps. This is the way we read in Isaiah, walk ye in it. And Lord, we live in a world of many distractions, a world that is filled with spiritual darkness, a world that seeks to uh, attack your church and to prevent your church from speaking out on the truths of Scripture. And we know, Lord, that our enemies are many, and we pray against them. And we thank you that the one who is for us is greater by far than he that is against us, because behind every attack upon the church and upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that the evil one is there. And we are not unaware, as Paul says, of his wiles. So, Lord, bless your people. Bless your church. Encourage them in these dark and evil days. And add to the number of your people those who are being saved. Remember any in the congregation here who have special needs. Remember Rena Kaja, who is in Balafiri home. And we pray that she would feel at home in that lovely place where uh, much is done to uh, help people uh, at a specific point in their lives. We thank you, Lord, for the various homes scattered around Scotland where people can find 
uh, help, where they can find rest, where they can find comfort in the evening of their lives. We thank you, Lord, for Cameron House and for all that is done there for those whose memories are not as sharp as they once were. Remember those who mourn, and we pray that they would be comforted by the Lord Jesus Christ, who can empathize uh, with those who shed tears, because he himself shed tears at the graveside of a beloved friend. So be with those who mourn, O Lord, and uh, be with our nation at this time. Be with those in, in power over us in Parliament, both in London and in Edinburgh, in Cardiff and in Belfast. Grant them wisdom, heavenly wisdom, that they would seek to legislate in a way that is pleasing and honouring to you. Because at the end of the day, we are all answerable to you, the living God, who has raised up men and women uh, to govern us in this country. Remember the royal family, remember the king, be with him. And, uh, Lord, at his coronation not so long ago, he was given a Bible, and uh, he was encouraged to read from it. And we pray that he would indeed read it and take to heart uh, the words that we believe his mother indeed did take to heart during her long reign. So, Lord, bless your church. And remember those people who are caught up in the turmoil of war in different places. Remember the people of the Ukraine, and we pray for them, Lord, that we in the West would not grow weary of equipping them and providing them with the, uh, the weaponry they need. We pray, Lord, that evil would not triumph because we know that it is trying hard. Be with the situation in the Middle East, and we just pray for peace to come to that troubled region of the world. Open the eyes of your ancient people, Lord, that they would see that Messiah has come, that he is none other than the despised Lord Jesus Christ, and that they need wait no longer. Remember the people caught up in Gaza, and we pray that they would get the help that they need, the water, the food, the medical assistance, and the fuel. Uh, But we know, Lord, that uh, turmoil and fighting and uh, exploitation will rage in this world until every man, woman, and child is bent the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and uh, uh, come, come to acknowledge him, the true Prince of Peace. So, Lord, be with us and continue with us and forgive us our many, many sins in Jesus' name. Amen. We sing now from Psalm 45a from the Sing Psalms, and we're going to sing verses 4 to 9. Ride forth in state victoriously for meekness, truth, and right. Let your right hand display your deeds of awesome power and might. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of those who hate the king and all the nations of the earth into subjection bring. Psalm 45a, and we sing verses 4 to 9.
So we turn back for a while to the passage of Scripture we read in Genesis chapter 24. And I'd like us to focus on verses 58 and 59. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Would you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. Would you go with this man? Perhaps the most important question that any one of us might have posed towards us. Will you go with this man? The late Reverend Murder Campbell, he was the Free Church Minister in Rosales on the Black Isle, wrote a lovely little book called The Loveliest Story Ever Told. And he borrowed the title from a university lecturer in Edinburgh, Sir Herbert Grierson, who many, many years ago had lectured on this particular passage of Scripture. And uh, he called it the loveliest story ever told. But as Marta Campbell commented, he did not think that Sir Herbert Grierson was commenting on the spiritual value of the passage, but he was looking at it from a literary point of view. It's the perfect story. It has all the uh, everything that you would want to have in a story. And you can imagine the people of long, long ago hearing this story for the first time and hanging on to the words of the narrator as he brought them along on this uh, particular uh, journey. But at this point in Scripture, Abraham was in his old age, and he had a son Isaac, and Isaac had not yet married, and Abraham was conscious of the Lord's promises, the Lord's covenant promises, because the Lord has said to him that his descendants would possess the land of Canaan, where he lived as a nomad. The only land that Abraham owned at that time was a field with a cave that he had bought from the Hittites in order to bury his late wife Sarah. And uh, the Lord had given him many covenant promises. First of all, as I said, that his descendants would possess the whole of the land of Canaan. And also he took him out uh, one night and he pointed him to the night sky and he said that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and uh, as many as the grains of sand on the seashore. But the greatest covenant promise of all was that one of his descendants, one specific descendant, would bring blessing to all the nations of the world. But for all those promises, covenant promises given by God to come to their ultimate fruition and fulfillment, first of all, Isaac had to have a wife. There had to be children to carry on uh, the family. And so uh, Abraham called his servant. Abraham was an old man at this time. He called his servant. And we know from chapter 15 that his servant's name was Eliezer. He came from Damascus. And uh, he charged him to go on a long journey, to go back to the region of Terah, right up in northern Mesopotamia, where Abraham had he come from many, many years before, and that he was to find a wife for his son. He had looked at the lifestyles of the Canaanites in whose land he was living, and uh, like his son after him, many years on, he was disgusted 
by their lifestyles. They did not worship the one true and living God. They were pagans. They had all sorts of uh, things in their lifestyles that appalled Abraham. And he did not want uh, his servant to find a wife amongst the Canaanites for his son Isaac. So he sent him on this long journey. He entrusted him to the Lord's guidance. And we were reading there that the servant himself prayed for the Lord to guide him on his journey. And it was a long, long journey. It was a journey that took him uh, over many hundreds of miles. He had ten camels with him. He had servants uh, with him. They would have had food. They would have had water for the journey. And they had costly gifts of gold and of silver and uh, various embroidered uh, garments which he would give as a present to the family uh, of the woman who he trusted would eventually be the wife of his um, his servant Isaac of Isaac himself the Lord in his sovereign purposes makes plans for the future and yet he still requires you and me to seek his will through prayer we cannot simply sit back and and uh, let God to get on with it. He wants us to have an involvement in all that he does. He wants us to pray for our nation. He wants us to bring specific uh, situations uh, before uh, the Lord. And so after this long journey, uh, he came to this well and uh, he sat there and he made this remarkable prayer. He said, Lord, concerning the woman that you have already selected to be the wife of Abraham's son Isaac. When the maidens of that village come to draw water and I say to one of them, please give me a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be uh, the one. And so we're told that Rebekah came in response to his servant's prayer. And we know that from scripture here she was a virtuous woman. She showed a cheerful willingness to work. She had a generous heart. She was uncomplaining. She was a real diamond. And as she was the Lord's choice for Isaac, we would expect nothing less. We can very quickly pass over the details here because she said, drink and I'll water your camels also. And we're reminded that he had ten camels. I don't know if you've ever seen a thirsty camel drinking. I spent two and a half years of my working life, before I became a minister that was, uh, in the Sahara Desert looking for oil. And I've seen thirsty camels drinking and it is quite an amazing sight to see a camel that has gone on a long journey and coming to a well and drinking gallon after gallon of water so here was a young woman with a jar on her shoulder who went down to the well time after time after time and filled the jar and brought it up and tipped it into the trough so that the camels could drink here was a woman uh, who did not she didn't get to a certain point where she complained and said oh my goodness you know there's another five camels to go she just carried on uh, and it was a task that must have taken a couple of uh, hours this was the woman whom God had chosen and uh, whom God had selected that would be the bride for Abraham's son uh, Isaac 
And this morning I want us to look briefly at the question that was posed to her later on after she had come back to, to her home. Will you go with this man? And in those days a man or woman could only marry with their parents' permission. In fact, the parents would often arrange the marriage without necessarily consulting the son or the daughter. And there's nothing in this chapter to indicate that Isaac was anything other than a passive person, that the discussion was going on between Abraham and his servant, and that we don't know to what extent Abraham was involved in the preparations. But if he trusted the Lord as his father before him, Abraham had trusted the Lord, then he need have had no fear, because the Lord delights to give us good gifts. The Lord knows what is best for us, and that includes a suitable husband or wife. In Proverbs 31, it describes the wife of noble character. It reminds us that outer beauty will fade, but the inner beauty of a noble character uh, will never, ever uh, fade. Sadly, when seeking a spouse, some people consult their star signs. Many years ago, somebody said to me, you know, what, what, what star sign were you born under, and what star sign was your wife born under? And when I told them, uh, they said, oh, you, you shouldn't, you know, be together because your star signs are so different. But we had 42 years of very happy married life. You know, people who look to horoscopes eh, are defying the Lord because God tells us not to have anything to do with such superstitious paganism. We have nothing to do with the occult, and that includes horoscopes. The Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. One of my favorite passages of scripture. And then having found the right wife, having been led to Abraham's own relatives, the servant perhaps perceiving what kind of man eh, her brother it was, and of course we know from later chapters when Jacob had fled from his brother and he had gone back to stay with Uncle Laban, we know that Laban was a sly uh, kind of man. He was a, he was a manipulative uh, individual and perhaps uh, Abraham had warned uh, the servant about uh, Laban's character or perhaps the servant himself had perceived what sort of man uh, Laban was and so they invited him into the tent he and his servants and uh, before he would eat he explained the nature of his journey and he told them about Abraham and of course Abraham had left many years ago there probably hadn't been any communication during that time and they knew little about him except that he was a very old man and so the servant began to tell them about Abraham. He had been greatly blessed by the Lord. We read in verse 35, sheep, cattle, silver and gold, servants, camels and donkeys. And it's interesting that he mentions the livestock before he mentions the silver and gold because in a nomadic pastoral society of that nature as it is today in many parts of the world, people's wealth is not measured in silver or gold but it's measured in the livestock that they possess. And Laban and his family would have been very impressed uh, by 
this but then they would have pondered the potential age of the son after all Abraham was by now a very old perhaps the son himself was very old and they didn't want their beloved uh, sister and daughter Rebecca to be married to an elderly Bodach no matter how much money he might have but they were told by the servant that his wife Sarah had borne a son in her old age and so their minds were uh, were put at rest the son was of marriageable age but more than that he's the sole heir it means that everything all the livestock all the silver and the gold everything that Abraham has will come down to his son Isaac so this was a man with prospects and he appeals to their sense of family uh, loyalty uh, as well and we know that in many parts of the world the bonds of kinship family kinship are very very strong and then finally as if to set a seal on the whole affair he tells them of how the Lord had guided him the Lord will send his angel with you said Abraham and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son from my own clan and from my father's family and then having detailed the events that took place at the well he finally states I bowed down and worshipped the Lord I praised the Lord the God of my master Abraham who had led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son and so Laban and Bethuel both of them recognized the Lord's hand in this whole affair and so they say here is the woman you know take her and uh, go and so we know that in all of this God's sovereignty held sway God was looking to the future but in order for the future to come to a successful fulfillment all the small details have to work out all the cogs have to mesh together and as we look through scripture and we see the Lord at work down through the generations we see God bringing everything to bear when he told Jonah to go to Nineveh a city over which he was concerned Jonah departed in the opposite direction he didn't want to go to Nineveh he didn't want the Ninevites to come to faith in his God he despised them he hated them they were the enemies of his people and so he tried to run away but the Lord's purposes will be fulfilled and so the Lord provided a means whereby Jonah had to go uh, to uh, Nineveh and we know that the people of Nineveh turned away from uh, their evil ways and they repented and as Jesus himself said when he was when he was speaking to the people uh, of his own community uh, in uh, Israel during his day that the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation and condemn them because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now says Jesus one greater than Jonah is here and at the end of the day when we look at the work of the church and then we look at the uh, the people that meet us in scripture and when we look down at the, the history of the church down through the generations God uses ordinary men and women just like you and just like me to fulfill his purposes we might imagine that the people that meet us in scripture are great saints but we know that they were sinners just like us they needed a savior just like you do and just like uh, I do the Lord uses ordinary men and women to do extraordinary things and when we look at this we, we say well it is indeed it's a very 
beautiful story. It's a lovely story. The way it's put together, it's just a lovely story. But it's far more than a mere story because it's the account of a father's love. It's the account of his search for a bride for his son. And it's a story that has great spiritual meaning because it speaks of God the Father sending uh, God the Holy Spirit to seek out a bride for God the Son. The three persons of the Trinity working together in perfect unity and perfect uh, harmony. And their work resulting in the most amazing and undeserved blessing for mortal sinful men and women such as ourselves. Because that's who the bride of Christ is. The bride of Christ is you and it is me. If we are trusting in Jesus today then we are part of the bride of Christ. And every Christian believer is part of the bride of Christ. Men as well as women. All who have been promised uh, to the son and heir. And a wedding day has been set. We read about it in Revelation chapter 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, writes John, having been transported into the future. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. The new Jerusalem, that's not speaking of a city of stone and of buildings and of avenues, but it speaks of the people who will be gathered there at the end of the age. The body of believers from this country and every other country of uh, the world gathered together at the end of time and it's a reminder to us that nobody comes to Christ unless they are drawn by the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit who is always at work seeking men and women for Jesus we cannot see the beauty of him who is altogether lovely until the Holy Spirit first comes and opens our eyes he is the servant who seeks us out he is the servant who tells us about the inheritance that awaits us with Jesus believe on him and you will have treasures in heaven and the Holy Spirit never forces us to come against our will and put our trust in Jesus marriage was not forced upon Rebecca and we know that from many communities that have come to settle in this country that often uh, young men and women are forced against their will to marry uh, people that they might not want to uh, marry but Rebecca was not forced against her will she was simply asked the question will you go with this man they had come to an agreement the evening before they'd eaten and had slept and in the morning the servant wanted to be on his way he had good news to share with his master Abraham but Laban and Bethuel prevaricated let us stay here they said for another 10 days or so and the servant rightly became worried because if they, she stayed 10 days she might stay another 10 days and then another 10 days beyond that he wanted to be away and so they said well let's ask the young lady herself will you go 
with this man? And that's the most important question that will be put to any one of us in our life. Will you go with this man? Not Eliezer of Damascus, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody is forced to go with Jesus, but that's the question that the Holy Spirit puts to us. Will you go with this man? Because that's what this story is all about. It's the spiritual meaning that lies behind the physical aspects of the story. And uh, one day we will meet with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we have refused the offer to go with this man, then I'm afraid we will find that there is no room in that house of many mansions, just as there was no room for Christ as a child in uh, the inn. We must respond by faith. And Rebecca didn't hesitate. She said without any hesitation whatsoever, yes, I will go. She took a step of faith, a faith that was comparable to the faith of Abraham and to the faith of the servant. And so the servant gave Rebecca jewels and articles of clothing. And then when Isaac, uh, many weeks later, when he saw the camels coming over the horizon and uh, he saw this young woman wearing the jewels that he recognized, wearing the garments that he was familiar with, he knew that this was his bride. And Christ also recognizes those who are his. Because every time a man or woman comes to faith, a seal of the Holy Spirit is set upon them. And the angels recognize that seal and Christ Jesus recognizes them as his people. And perhaps the Holy Spirit is asking somebody here today, will you go with this man? Maybe it's a question that has been put to you many times in the past and you've put it off for whatever reason have our hearts been opened to see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ are we willing to forsake all that is familiar and dear because that's what Rebecca did she knew that she wouldn't be back she knew that she probably would never see her uh, mother and, and her brother again we believe her father had died in the meantime are we willing to forsake all that is familiar and dear simply to go with this man the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friends, at the end of the day, what we gain in Christ is far, far superior to anything that we might be called upon to give up in this life. She did not hesitate. She simply replied, I will go. I will go. And I hope that there'll be somebody here today who will give that same response. Yes, I will go. I worship at uh, Ferentosh, Free Church, and in 1843, at the disruption, uh, the then minister John MacDonald, whom uh, John Kennedy of Dingwall referred to as the Apostle of the North, he left his church and he left his manse, and until the new church was built, the church where we worship today, and uh, they used to meet in a place called the Burn of Ferentosh. It's a natural amphitheater in the woods, not far from the church. And uh, I'm sure some of you here are familiar with it. We've had services there down through the years. And uh, many, many years ago, John MacDonald was preaching on this very same passage of Scripture. And there were thousands of people, were told, by John Kennedy, gathered there, uh, coming under the preaching of the Word. And uh, he came to this point in the, uh, in, in the Scripture, and he said, Will you go with this man? And there was silence. 
Nobody said anything. You could hear the leaves rustling. And he asked the question again, will you go with this man? And again, silence. And a third time, will you go with this man? And we're told that a woman shouted out, yes, I will go. And the Holy Spirit moved, and, and, and hundreds of people were told, uh, followed the example of that woman. Yes, I will go with this Man, and apparently there was a, a huge movement of the Holy Spirit broke out in that lovely little corner of the Black Isle. Yes, I will go with this man, and I hope that this day somebody here will give the same response. Amen. And may the Lord bless to us these thoughts and meditations on His Word. Eternal and ever blessed Lord, we thank you for the free offer of the gospel we thank you lord for the invitation to come to christ and we thank you that when we come to know christ we enter into a loving and trusting relationship knowing him as our savior and lord but knowing him as our friend and as our elder brother the one who sticks closer to us than any brother and through jesus we come to know you as our father in heaven we love writes john because he first loved us and we cannot O oh Lord truly comprehend the sheer magnitude of your love for us but it was a love that sent your son to the cross it was a love that kept him on the cross because it was there that he paid the penalty for our sins that we through believing in him might not perish but have everlasting life take away anything said this morning that's not in conformity with your word and may the glory be yours, and may the blessings be ours, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We conclude by continuing on in Psalm 45a. We've already sung 4 to 9, and we now sing from verse 10 to 15. O daughter, listen and give ear. Consider what I say. You must forget your father's house, your people far away. Because your beauty is so great, the king is held in thrall. He is your Lord. Give him respect before him humbly fall. Psalm 45a, and we sing verses 10 to 15.
And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit, one God, rest and remain with you all, now and forever.